and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Gitin, daf Samach Aleph, page 61. So we have a new Mishnah here, and I want to get to it quickly, but right before the Mishnah, we have a citation from our previous Mishnah, which I found very interesting then, which is the discussion about the things that Jews will do for non-Jews to make sure, right, because of the ways of peace, right, we don't want to, we want to prevent conflict. So the Mishnah, so the, it's right, literally the passage right before the Mishnah itself, the new Mishnah on this daf. That if they are coming to collect the the donations from somebody's field, you don't tell them to go away because they happen not to be Jewish. It sounds very civilized of us. There's a lot to unpack in this kind of discussion, and we're sadly not going to have enough time to do all of it, of course. But the question of you know, to what extent do we focus on Jewish people as compared to the rest of the world? And is that fair? And the implication here being the only reason that we would, you know, not deter the the non-Jews from taking from the fields is because of Darkei Shalom as opposed to because, oh, I don't know, they're hungry, right? Maybe those reasons are, maybe we give tzedakah to non-Jews because they need it as opposed to because we don't want there to be a conflict with them. So this is, you know, some of it is social norms, depending on the era. But, you know, at minimum, I would say, is mitnei darkei shalom. And then from there, I don't think there's any problem with, you know, um, being more generous in the event that you can be more generous. When you're talking about these particular things, the donations from the field, they're also mitzvot. It's not just charity in the sense of, you know, I have something and I might as well give it away to somebody who needs something. It's very specific, a mitzvah to fulfill about the fields. And it's, again, one of the mitzvot of Tzuyot Ba'aretz, the, the land-dependent mitzvot that I think we, they have like a, a different kind of Jewish-centric kind of orientation. But I want to note what happens next, which is the citation of a breita that adds, you know, on this field business, mefarnesin aniye goyim imaniye Yisrael. We would likewise pro- provide for poor non-Jews the same way we provide for poor Jews. And we visit the sick of the non-Jews the same way we visit the sick of the Jewish people. We would bury the, a dead non-Jew the same way we would bury a dead Jew. Right. The point being, these are other chasadim, these are other acts of kindness that we don't shirk. Because, oh my goodness, those are non-Jews, not Jews. We're not going to weasel out of it in that way, even though the rationale that's provided is shalom, right? So we're still concerned at making sure that they're, we're preventing any conflict. We're going to treat non-Jews just as well as we treat Jews as far as that goes. Um, and as I say, there is a question as to what the motivation is, whether this is the pure motive, this is the only motivation rather, or whether you can also, like, again, just want to help somebody who's in need, especially when there isn't a specific mitzvah, mitzvah compared to the fields. Dana, before I go into the mission, do you have anything you want to add to this? You know, I think we often see that there is a lot of, I don't know what to call it. Um, you know, it's complicated what our relationship was with non-Jews. And uh, this is the type of... Um, you know, text that says, okay, we need to make sure that we can make it nice. Uh, we'll find other texts that say differently. Um, but I think this is this is an important text that's used for, you know, how many of us like to develop our relationships today. Right. I think so. And that's why I say, like, I don't know that it's fair to say that this is a halachic minimum, 
But that's that's where I would begin, right? I think that there we have other discussions governing interactions between Jews and non-Jews where we say stay away, right? We want to make sure that there's not too much social mingling when there's drinking going on, for example, right? As an example. But this kind of thing, you know, caring for those in need, I think is, it's well taken that this is a, you know, there are universal principles that are represented here, even when there's a, another motivation, namely to prevent conflict, you know, added to the mix. Okay, so now our Mishnah. So he said that a person, a woman in this case specifically, can lend her stuff, her her kitchen utensils, to a friend, even though that friend is suspected of not being careful with regard to shmita, right? The rules of shmita are complicated. Not everybody apparently was careful about it. Um I would hope that they would have been, right? It's always disconcerting to hear that perhaps they were not as careful, even as people might be today, but okay, fine. Now we're talking about specific um, utensils. So Naf and Kvara, that came up in Masakha Shabbat in the selecting, um, you know, the way we would, the, you come to winnow the grain, um, flour, right? Grain, I guess, before flour. So the winnow, the sieve, a mill, all of this for the making of flour, and the oven, you could lend those things. That's not considered like you're going to help her in her lack of caring or lack of attention to the Shemitah issue. But don't, don't grind with her and don't then select the grain from the chaff, the good from the bad, because then, you know, then you she's not being careful and you don't want to perpetuate that uh, you know, by lending her something that would help her. Now, now you have a wife of a chaver. A chaver here, we've seen this term before also. Now we saw it in Chagiga, I think, when we were talking about um, who's careful with Trubada Maestro versus Demai, all of this business, right? You have people who are meticulous in their observance and they're going to take care of all of the details of Truma, all of the details of Miser, right? So now what happens? So the wife of such a, in such a family can lend the wife of an Amharetz, and Amharetz here being a technical term. Again, technically, we translate it nowadays to mean an ignoramus. It doesn't mean an ignoramus, somebody who's ignorant, as much as somebody who's not careful in these areas of Truma and Miser and so on. Again, you could lend a winnow, a sieve, and even come to join together with, like the let's say the wives are friends and they come to bake together. To, they could, you know, select the grain, grind and sift with her. But then, from the moment that the wife of the Amharitz pours water into, here I want to From that moment that she pours water into the flour, then the wife of the chaver can no longer touch anything with her in, in conjunction together because you don't want to support her carelessness in this in this mitzvah, in these mitzvah. You don't want to help commit the transgression. But all of these allowances, meaning to begin with, the idea that you could they, they could continue to, to lend, to borrow, to it actually doesn't say borrow, that you could lend, you could continue to work together Right, all of that is mipnei darkei shalom. Lastly, in the Mishnah, 
ושואלים בשלומן מפני דרכי שלום. Unless you could help non-Jews work the land during a Shemitah year, but you can't help Jews work the land during a Shemitah year. It's the same rationale, right? Meaning the non-Jews have no prohibition against working the land. The Jews do. You want to make sure that you're not helping them commit this transgression of not being careful. They're not supposed to be working the land, so who are you to help them, right? And likewise, it says you could extend greetings, right? You could say, how are you doing, whatever, to engage in conversation to begin with with non-Jews, again, to make sure that you are, you know, having civil enough interactions that there's no worry about conflict. I want to just make a quick comment about this idea of not helping the Jew in the transgression. Um, I I don't think that the, the, the Mishnah rather quite says this, but there's this idea that like, if you are helping another Jew violate halacha, then you're part of that violation, meaning it's your sin as well. And it doesn't come, that, the Mishnah doesn't come that far to say it like that. But I think that, you know, it, instead it seems like don't help that person do the sin. I think there's also a self-motive here as well. Um, okay, Yardina, I'm going to hand this over to you. Obviously, there's a lot to discuss here in the Gemara. Okay. So, um, you know, yeah, there's a lot to discuss in the Gemara. And basically what the Gemara does here is it's going to go through, um, you know, a, a whole bunch of different Tanaitic statements that maybe disagree, uh, you know, with uh, our particular Mishnah about whether or not you can give something to somebody who you, you know, are not sure keeps Tuman Tara or uh, Truman Master the way that you do. And, you know, why would it, why that case may be different than the specific case of our Mishnah. Um, but I want to draw, and I think, you know, these were really real things that happened, you know, and I think part of what this is all teasing out is, is that there were different levels of meticulousness uh, in people's homes. And so the question becomes, how do we interact with those people, right? I think, uh, you know, uh, we even know today, we may have different standards of kashrut with different family members, and everybody makes different decisions about, how do you eat with those people, go to their homes, uh, share meals with them? Um, but I do think what's interesting is, is it's very clear uh, from this, you know, from this staff and from the Mishnah that the solution isn't to say that we cut off contact and don't we eat with any of those people, right? Like, I do think there is sort of a willingness to try to make it work because of Darche Shalom. Uh, but there's a really interesting piece here at the bottom that goes to the top of tomorrow's staff, which I, I just want to share. Okay, so there's a, a contradiction here. And here they quote a Mishnah from Demai. Now, remember, these are the set of Mishnayos uh, that appear in Seder's Ra'im, which is all the agricultural law, which there's no Talmud Bavli on. So we get the commentary sort of scattered in the Bavli uh, when it gets brought up. Hanotain, and sorry, it's in Demai chapter three, Mishnah six. Hanotain lachamoto ma'aser et shehunotain la et shehunotel haimenu. So there, somebody who gives food to his mother-in-law, who basically is in an Am Ha'aretz family, uh, so that she can, you know, make the food for him, he has to take, he has to take Maser from it before he gives it to her and when he gets it back. And the reason is, is because she's suspected of exchanging any food from him that was spoiled, right? Now, Again, I actually don't think this is saying something bad about the mother-in-law, right? But it's, you know, the Gemara is going to explain why. But, you know, the, that in this particular case with a son-in-law and a mother-in-law, 
we think there's more of a chance that she could maybe exchange the food for some of her own food because she wants to make sure to return to him uh, good food. So we do have a concern here that an Am Haaretz would exchange produce that he received, uh, you know, of his own. And again, that that's really what we're teasing out here. Do we worry that the Am Haaretz is going to exchange the food if you give them food or do we not worry about that? So what is the solution here? Why do we say this, you know, is a different case than our Mishnah? No, this is a special case because here we're talking about a mother-in-law who wants to do what's good for her daughter. She wouldn't want to give her anything spoiled. And she would be an ashamed before her son-in-law. In other words, she also wants to please her son-in-law. She doesn't want to tell him, you know, you gave me something that was, you gave me bad food. And I think there's something about this mission that probably rings really true to people, right? The idea that the in-law parent wants to make sure that everything's good for their, you know, their daughter and they bend over. I don't even want to say bend over backwards, but they want to make sure that things remain nice with their son-in-law. So this is a very specific case. The Gemara goes on to say, Ula ama lo right? Okay. But then we say, so we wouldn't worry about this with ordinary people too, that maybe they would also exchange it in a case where something got spoiled, but that's not. And now they quote the Mishnah, also in Demai, but it's the previous Mishnah. It's Mishnah 5 in the third parak. If somebody gives food to an innkeeper, so it's the same halacha. You have to you know, take master from whatever you give the innkeeper and whatever you take back. Because again, we're worried that maybe the innkeeper will exchange it. So again, it's a little bit of a different thing, but there's a specific concern here, right? That we say this doesn't really contradict our Mishnah because it's a specific case. The innkeeper is going to say, you know, I can keep some of this food and I'll give back some of my food because this student of this student, meaning this chaver, this person who's careful with this stuff is going to eat hot food while I'll eat cold, cold food. In other words, she may say, okay, if I have to prepare the food, I'm going to take a little bit of this good food for myself and I'll give back some of my some of my own food. Okay, still, don't we think that regular people would still, you know, switch food? Now they quote a brisa uh, that appears in Taharos. So uh, the wife of a chaver, remember a chaver being the person who's careful with Tuman Tara and is careful with Truman Maser, can grind food with the wife of an Amha'art when she is impure, we're talking about when she is menstruating, when she has her period, right? And therefore, everyone's going to be careful not to touch the food, okay? Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Mer, all right? And Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, no, she can't even grind with her when she's impure because the other woman, meaning the wife of the Haaretz, may give her food and she may eat it. Right. So the question is, there's still a concern that she'll feed others her produce that didn't have masa on it. The Tanakhama is saying, no, if she's tame, if the wife of the Chaver is tame, she's going to be careful not to touch any food. And Rabbi Shem ben Elezer says, no, we still we're still concerned that uh, that she could eat food that wasn't tight. Now, right, we're saying if there's a concern that the wife of Anam Ha'aret could steal from her husband and give food. Uh, the other woman food without his permission, right? Shouldn't we also be concerned that she could exchange the food, right? In other words, the idea here is, is that if this Amha'aretz woman feeds her chaver friend, 
it's not really her food. It's really her husband's food. Okay, again, modern learners are not necessarily going to like this. But the idea is if she would share that food anyways that she shouldn't have shared, then of course that same person would be unethical enough that she could exchange the food. Um, so we see that it's not only cases of a mother-in-law or an innkeeper, but in general, in the general population. And then it goes on to say, So Rabbi Yosef said, no, there too, the wife of the Amhara to rule for herself that she's allowed to do this because she would say, the ox may eat from its threshing. She would think that when she's engaged in preparing food, you know, she's allowed to take some of the food and it's not considered stealing. In other words, sharing the food is different than exchanging the food, right? It's the idea that like when you're preparing food, you know, you nibble a little bit off the top of the food. You may pick a little bit. So Rabbi Yosef's point is, is that it's not an unethical thing to do. And she still could be trusted that she wouldn't exchange the food. It's more talking about that she takes a little bit of the food that she's preparing to eat. That's not really considered to be uh, stealing. I just found this whole section to be, it's very human, right? It really, I think a lot of these relationships or these dynamics, right? The relationship with a mother-in-law, the relationship, you know, innkeepers are less, but we could see, you know, the dynamic. Maybe we would think about somebody who works in our home, right? Who would maybe, you know, take some of the food that they prepared for us because they would be like, all right, I prepared it. I can eat some of the food that I prepared. Um, even down to, you know, somebody who's preparing food. And yes, it may be the property of their husband, but that they feel, you know, that they're allowed to eat a little bit. All of these feel still, these types of human uh, understandings and relationships, I, I still feel ring very true today as well. Uh, I think it rings true. I think that the flip side of it, sadly, is also true, right? Like the, I, I was thinking about this in the part I was discussing, and now the part you're discussing, like how much do people work to make things work, work to help each other out, all that kind of thing. And compared to, uh, um, no, we don't talk to those people. We don't eat in those people's houses. We're going to have a cancel culture for this and that, right? Like the flip side of it, I think, is somewhat to our detriment in the modern I what, totally social agree with you. And I think it's like very, very clear here uh, that the, the standard is actually to make things work and not to to say things are not okay. A hundred percent. I agree. That is the standard I that is presented you. here. And you'll see that throughout Masechah Demai. If you learn Demai, I mean, there's actually a beautiful Mishnah there. I think it's in the sixth parak that talks about what do you do if you're going to share like a Shabbat or Yom Tov meal with somebody who doesn't take Truman Maser. And the solution basically is you take something before Shabbat from your own food and you designate it as the Truman Maser for the meal so that you can share a meal with that person. And this is over like Yisuri de Oraisa. You know, this is not just about like, I trust one hashkacha more than another hashkacha. And I, I think this is truly something uh, that has been lost in today's society. You know, in today's observant world, I don't think we're as tolerant as we should be. Oh, that is an understatement. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time at Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank <music> you.